Clorox knows you want your clothes smelling fresh and clean. But sweat happens. That's why we created Clorox Fabric Sanitizers, to freshen up your clothes between washes, pre-treat extra stinky laundry, and make sure every last odor comes out in the wash. Clorox Fabric Sanitizers take care of all that and eliminate 99% of odor-causing bacteria. Plus, they're bleach-free and safe for all colors and fabrics. When it counts, trust Clorox. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What is going on, DGen Nation? Kenny Kim here, bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast, now sponsored by Draft. Draft, it's a weekly fantasy golf site, but it's not like the other guys. Draft uses real-life snake drafts like your yearly fantasy football leagues, and you do your snake draft, and you draft your team, and you set it and forget it. Drafts last one week, and there's no management at all. They don't even take care of injured golfers for you. Drafts start, draft start every minute, so you can go on and play right now. Drafts start at a dollar, so anyone can play. Go to the go download the Draft app on iTunes or the Android Store, or play on your computer at Draft.com. As usual, I am here with my co-host Tyler Tambolini. Tyler, how you doing this week, there, brother? I'm doing good, man. What's happening? You're back. I know, man. I barely survived. I was, as most of you guys know, I was at the players last week. Uh, caught a little bit of a flu bug uh, on Thursday, and it was awful. I, I didn't make it to the first two rounds of the tournament. I'm still sick as hell. Uh, I went there. I gutted it out Saturday and Sunday because I couldn't like go down to Florida for the players and not see a single round of golf. Uh, so I went out there, and of course, the two days I went out there, the weather was crappy. It was cold as hell, and so it's definitely not helping me. So if I sound sort of off uh, today, I apologize. I'm definitely still ill with the flu. Uh, but what a tournament we had last week. You know, Rory finally came through in the clutch. Uh, it was an amazing little feat. Um, he didn't play like his best golf on Sunday, uh, but he did his thing good enough to beat everyone else. What would you think of the tournament? 
I loved it. I mean, I thought it was solid all throughout. I actually had a bit of time to watch quite a, you know, the sort of in it from Friday on. I didn't get a lot of time on Thursday right out of the gate. But beyond that, I had plenty of time to sit down and actually watch the golf uh, more than I usually do. And for me, it was just a, an awesome Sunday to follow along. I thought, again, you know, one of those Sundays I was kind of happy with it, not a runaway or anything like that. Roy did have to grind through it mentally, got to see the ROM breakdown. Uh, with his caddy, got, got to see some Jim Furyk swagger on 18, not to mention Eddie Peps and, and Johnny Vegas on 17 with back-to-back putts there, and then got to watch Dustin Johnson miss a lot of putts. So, yeah, yeah o- overall it was a, a fairly eventful Sunday, and I was really pleased with the overall result. Uh, yeah, it was definitely a fun tournament to be at. I mean, uh, the TBC Sawgrass is a beautiful, beautiful course, and it's great for the fans. Um, I sort of stayed away from the shit show that was 17, uh, but the rest of the, ter- the the place, there's so many different places to get a good eyesight on different holes and stuff. Really, really great tournament to go down to and watch. If you ever get a chance, you definitely should. Uh, some factors, you know, Rory's win. Furyk was amazing. Um, you know, th- we, we said last week that th- those type of courses are the type of courses that he can contend on. Uh, and do well on, and we both talked him up uh, a bit. So it was nice seeing him out there, those grinded out, you know, not birdie fest, not going to score 20 under par. Uh, those are sort of meant for uh, guys like Furyk. But, you know, the, 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 the course change from May to March, you know, early in the rounds, I thought that it, it was possible that it looked like it was going to be Bomber Central. Like going into Sunday, I would say eight of the top 12 uh, were officially bombers. Now it ended up like seven of the top 12 were probably longer hitters, as you can tell, but there were definitely some shorter guys out there. Uh, Dominic's not that long. Fjork's not long at all. Pepperell's not that long, of course, as well. And so I really, you know, with the shorter rough, I, th- I definitely thought that the, the big dogs would have a bit more of an advantage. And it could just be a one-year thing with the weather, you know, it was sort of cold. It sort of limited the distance that these guys really got off the tee. Uh, I, I think if they keep the rough that short, you know, continue in May and, and the wind doesn't blow too crazy. It wasn't wild wind. Uh, Sunday was definitely the worst day uh, you saw with like, I think, 17 water balls on 17 on Sunday. The wind definitely affected that. And the wind changed uh, mid-tournament. Uh, so you saw round one and two, it had the normal May winds, the south winds, where, you know, the wind would be at your back on 17 and 18. But we saw it on the weekend totally reversed and it definitely made the course a little bit harder um we'll see how it goes for the rest of the years now that it's definitely going to be in march and if they keep the rough that short um how much effect it's going to have uh you know it's sort of a toss-up right now you can't really tell if it gave the bombers an edge because it's just the first year and the sample size is so small uh but it's definitely something to think about as we go on year after year uh for the players because we always know it's going to be in the same spot um personally DFS wise, uh, it was again GBPs. I was awful again, but uh, somehow I sneaked through uh, all four of my cash game cornerstone picks. Finally, uh, after a couple of weeks without being able to do that, so uh, I was able to get that four or four through. I got five or six through in cash, one in cash, uh, pretty handily, pretty easily. Thank God for Decky as well because uh, Decky almost missed the cut. You know, he made the cut on a number and then ended up going something like 11 under uh, the final two days in those tough conditions to move up into the top 10. And that really, really helped me out. But uh, GPPs, I was a disaster. I lost 35 bucks. Uh, you know, I put in like 475. I got back 440. 
Uh, so that's not bad. So in the last two weeks, like my GPP has been so shitty, but cash has saved me. And I, I've had a net $10 loss on almost $1,000 worth of entries. And I'll take that when, you know, I've had like two or three of my top five um, in GPPs each week, miss the cut. And you get those on these tough courses. And these are the tough courses that we're seeing because it's sort of, you, you can't get the feel of them because you never know what's going to happen. Well, one guy gets a quad, one guy does what Rom does on 11 and just basically plays himself out of it. Even though he, I think he still had a chance to make par, right? Or, or bogey. I don't, I don't remember what he had on the score. I don't remember much from this week. I was so heavily medicated uh, for the whole weekend. Uh, but, um, you know, so I'm happy with my performance, even though I didn't win. I was happy again. How did you do? Not, not the greatest. I mean, it was pretty tough if you were heavy on guys like I was as far as Casey, Glover, RCB. Uh, I think a lot of people were on those guys. I think the, the laugh of the week for me was on Twitter just yesterday. Wilson, high stakes reg on Twitter. Good follow. If you don't follow him, it's pretty funny. He posted like he was in for like 50K and got back 30 on golf and was talking about how it's like a win. And and that's sort of how my week felt, right? Like any money I could get back was good. So on main slate, it was pretty tough. Played some of the higher stakes this week. Played played a couple in the 2120, bombed those. I had a ticket for one of them, so it wasn't completely dead. And then, uh, but weekend was good. Weekend, I I got back almost a thousand percent ROI. So came in second and fourth in a, in the $50 one. So that, that was a little bit back, like a thousand of it back. And then on Sunday, got a little bit back in the showdown as well but on the overall grand scheme of things down on the week fun week like i said just good to watch but as far as the results were concerned once once casey glover rcb those guys bombed off right out of the gate you know you were pretty much in big trouble from there so i was happy to get some back i think like xander was my highest own casey was like my third highest own i had somebody cantley was my fifth highest own so i had like three guys uh, missed the cut in my top five and to just lose a little bit I did was I was really ecstatic about that back-to-back weeks winning $25 last week ecstatic losing $35 this week ecstatic that's yeah. how PGA DFS goes this is not an easy game that we play um so I do have to talk about you know the Jacksonville Pontevedra area and that course I have to say um if you're ever down there make sure you go to Nona Blue uh, if you want to meet golfers, if you want to meet, uh, you know, industry people, there's a ton of people there. And it's really, really, it's a nice restaurant. Of course, it's a GMAC owned restaurant. It's right outside the course. The people down there were so extraordinarily friendly. Also, I, thank you for all the people that came up to me uh, on the course. There was too many to count, but all you guys made my week. Uh, even though I was only out there a couple of days, you guys came out, uh, saw me, said hello. We took pictures. It was, it was a lot of fun. I got to meet the tour junkies out there, Pat and DB. Really, really nice guys. I got to meet Martin, uh, who's also a Sundog Monkey on Twitter. He's definitely a guy that you should follow. He's from across the pond. Uh, this might be a great week to follow him because he's actually been in Florida for the Florida swing for all the tournaments. So he's seen these golfers play week in and week out for the last, you know, three, four weeks. So he has a lot of valuable insight. Uh, so make sure you follow Martin uh, at Sundog Monkey. He gives out uh, tips every week. Uh, he writes his own little thing. He works for Patty Power as well. Uh, one thing I do have to th- talk about down there in Jacksonville is that I forgot how nice Southern people are. Like, it's it was it was weird like I mean, being from the dc area you don't see like the friendliness that you see once you go down south like you walk down the street down there and people say hello and you're like what the fuck <laughs> you're scaring the shit out of me like that it just doesn't really happen that much so really really nice the one weird thing uh i did notice 
uh, about Jacksonville is um, every restaurant or bar that I went to had a cocaine stall. Okay, I don't know if you guys know what a cocaine stall. I'd say if you thought I was wild now, uh, in my 20s, I was buck wild, okay? Like if I played on the PGA Tour in my 20s, I would have had to take a six-month leave of absence for personal issues when actually everyone already knew what the fuck I got suspended for. Dustin Johnson. Uh, and, you know, basically, that's what I'm saying about this. So, am I, you know, if you – for the guys that listen to the pod in like one-and-a-half time speed, you wouldn't have to do that if we did the pod back then. I could tell you that right now. So, <laughs> one of the weird things that I noticed is they have these cocaine stalls. And what cocaine stalls are – you know, for people who have done it before in the past. And I haven't done it in over a decade, okay, guys? So don't talk to me about that. That was a crazy time in my life. Uh, but, you know, when I was in my 20s, we'd always look for these places, and we called them cocaine stalls. It was a stall. It was a bathroom stall in a, rest, in a restaurant or a bar that had, like, it was basically two-thirds of a jail cell. Like the stall, the stall would have a toilet. The stall would have a sink and a and a and a mirror. And then and, and, and the only thing missing would be a bed, and it would feel like a little jail cell. And so when I, me and my buddies, we would always try and find bars like this because it was the best place to you know do blow. You know, you go to a regular bar, and you know you you go into the bathroom and you you do whatever you got to do in the stall, and you come out looking like fucking Tony Montana after he you know puts his head down in the big old pile in the fucking movie. You know, you, so everyone in the everyone in the bathroom is like, oh yeah, that dude's been doing some shit. And so that's why we always look for these things called cocaine stalls where it had the sink and it had the, had the, had the mirror in there. And usually it's a high end places that had it, but every single motherfucking restaurant, dive bar, nice bar, great restaurant, you know, a shitty restaurant. They all had these stalls. So I'm guessing a lot of people down there stay awake often at night. That would be my guess. Uh, but that was, that was definitely one of the things that I noticed about the trip. It was a great trip. over, And that's a crazy thing. Like Rick James said it right. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. I haven't done that shit in over 10 years. And when I saw those bathroom stalls, that's literally still the first thing I thought of. So don't do drugs out there, kids, okay? Make sure you don't do drugs. Uh, but I do have to say it was a great experience. Uh, thank you. Kevin, um, I can't remember his last name right now, for getting us these tickets. I, I'm thinking we're going to make it a yearly trip. Uh, it, it's just an amazing place. It's, it was a great tournament. It was a lot of fun. I wish I wasn't sick, uh, but it, it was a good time. All right, so let's move on here a little bit, and let's talk about last week's Listener League. The winner was Draft Noop 1911. Uh, he had 536 points. Uh, he started off with Roy McElroy, of course, the winner, at 20% owned. Sergio Garcia finished in 22nd place. He was 17.5% owned. Uh, Francesco Molinari, who disappointed me a bunch. Uh, at least he made the cut, but he disappointed me a little bit. Uh, he was 20.5% owned because usually when he stays hot with that putter, he's been hot, but it didn't work out this past week. Uh, he, also, uh, he also had Jim Furyk. At a four percent on, so eight of you on in the in the uh, listening league had him. So that's pretty solid work. Uh, you know, of course, he finished second. He had Matthew Fitzpatrick uh, at seventy three uh, at a uh, what three percent on, finished in forty first place. And that kid, he looks like a kid. Like I, I followed him a little bit with Tiger. Uh, I think it was a final round, and literally the guy looks like he's twelve years old. It's like, what are you doing on the course? Uh, and he had Kelly Keith Mitchell, who started off strong, faded a bit on the weekend. Four and a half percent on. What do you think about the lineup there, buddy? I thought it was solid. Um, just looking at it, you know, I already put the reminder just to click back to this tournament for real quick. I, I put the reminder for next year sort of to fade all the chalk. Uh, you know, if you use fansharesports.com, 
Uh, Kenny and I talked about it last week. You know, promotion going on over there, fanshowsports.com. Use the promo code DGEN10. Uh, it's all case sensitive, so it's all capital letters, D-E-G-E-N-1-0. And check it out. You would have known, you know, pretty well what the chalk was going to be. And I, with this guy's lineup here, Draft Noob, yes, he had Molinari and Rory at 20 each, but then it went down from there. And it was a 3%, a 4%, and a 4% in Mitchell, Furyk, and Fitzpatrick. Uh, Furyk being the big one that made the difference. If you had Rory and Furyk, you were in pretty good shape. So he just needed a 6 out of 6 and to move from there. Uh, no, I don't know. I, I don't play a lot of fits, but we, we like Fieri, Garcia, McElroy, Keith, you know, has been on a little bit of a tear. And then obviously Molinari was another good pick. Like you said, disappointed a little bit, but all you needed was the cut compared to some of the other guys around. That's so, true. Especially. The, yeah. S- solid lineup. Yeah. Really good lineup by uh draft newt 1911. We will see him in the three man this week. Let's actually get to talking about this course. Uh, the PGA Tour moves to Tampa Bay this week for the Valspar Championship, which will be played on the Copperhead course at Innisbrook Resort. Uh, this is a great course that brings every type of golfer into play, but is usually presented with a less than stellar feel due to its placement in the schedule. And even though the schedule changed, everyone thought that it's still going to be the same thing. You know, right after the players, uh, even though last year was the best field they probably ever had, uh, you know, the new scheduling this year, we were probably expecting another weak field, but that's not really necessarily the case as there's a lot of good middle tier and top tier golfers uh, in this field. There's plenty of course history here as this tournament has been played at Copperhead since 2000. Uh, This course is one of the most difficult on tour routinely ranking in the top five most difficult courses year in and year out. Uh, Weather and wind can play a major factor here as winds above 15 miles per hour is the norm. Uh, I've seen different wind forecasts for this week, and the worst calls for 10 mile per hour, 10 to 15 mile per hour winds Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday with 25 mile per hour gusts possible on Friday. Sounds real fun for cut sweats, right? Uh, there hasn't been too much rain in the area in recent weeks, so the greens and the fairways could play very firm. Uh, if the wind is strong at all, it could be a shit show out there this week when it comes to scoring. Uh, make sure you check the final forecast Wednesday night to see if there is a tee time advantage or when the winds are going to come. Uh, one little tidbit of info before we get to the course. 11 of the last 12 winners here had a top 10 during the season leading up to their victory at Copperhead. All right, so the Copperhead course is a 7,300-yard plus uh, par 71 with five par threes and four par fives. The course is usually one of the most difficult par 71 tracks on tour. Uh, it's known for the snake pit, a very th- tough three-hole stretch that will probably decide the winner come Sunday. Hole 16 is really the toughest one. Uh, it caught my eye uh, when I you know, st- first started writing these course write-ups uh, because it has a dogleg right off the tee with water lining the whole right side of the fairway, making accuracy off a tee a must. Uh, if you overcompensate and hit it left, trees come into, fade, uh, come into play. If you overfade it or overdraw it for lefties, water is looming. It's a great hole where you'll see a myriad of clubs being used off the tee. Uh, Three years ago, the winner, Charles Schwartzel, hit an iron off the tee, leaving himself a 210-yard approach on his way to par. Uh, Bill Haas, who was in the lead at the time, hit a perfect three-wood off the tee, but short-sighted his approach, leading to bogey and an eventual playoff loss. Uh, 16 is routinely the hardest hole on the course and one of the most difficult holes on tour. Uh, Copperhead is deceptively long. Four of the five par threes are over 200 yards. 
All the par fives are over 550 yards, and only one par four is under 420 yards. Add the fact that driver off the tee is not a great play on most holes, and I'll, I'll explain why uh, here in, in a minute. Uh, and, the, you know, the course is really daunting with positioning and long iron play being a key to success. Now, off the tee, golfers will be challenged with tight tree-lined fairways, uh, massive dog legs, thickest rough, elevation changes, bunkers, and water and play on about five holes. Uh, the fairways are, you know, at, oh, average to below average in size, but tend to get more narrow the farther you get from the tee box, especially around the 300-yard mark. Anything after that, the fairways get extremely, extremely narrow. Now, because of this, the average driving uh, you know, that's going to limit the amount of drivers hit this week. Uh, the average driving distance on Copperhead is one of the shortest on tour due to the fact that precision and placement are more important than distance and drivers left in the bag for most golfers on the majority of holes. Uh, since 2005, Copperhead is routinely in the bottom six in average driving distance on tour. Uh, the greens are usually firm and could be really firm with the lack of rain here recently. It did rain there today. It's supposed to rain like it's supposed to be raining like right now into early Tuesday morning. Uh, we're recording this at 1 a.m. Uh, Eastern, so it might already start having to have a little bit of rain. But I don't think that will be enough to soften up the course. Uh, the lack of wind, uh, you know, the, the maybe lack of wind this year could lead to lower scores except for Friday. Uh, but we'll see how that goes because, you know, 10 to 15 could be 15 to 20. And once it gets there, that's when we start worrying about uh, a lot of these uh, approach shots. Um the greens are average in speed, uh, around 11 to 12 on the stip, unless you land the ball above the hole, since most greens here are sloped from back to front. Uh, the greens are average in size when you take into account only square footage, but will look much smaller to the tour players because they will be probably hitting uh, mid, mid to long irons on their approach shots for the majority of holes. There are also some very long, skinny putting surfaces, which skews the average size of the greens, uh, the par 3, 4th, and 14th come to mind is the greens that are very long, but the landing area by the pin is usually tight in width. Uh, as with most courses in Florida, the grass on the greens will be Bermuda, but it is overseed with POA like we saw last week at the players. Uh, Tyler, what you looking for this week? Yeah, so I'm looking at a few things, and I got a new tool here as well. So Fanshare hooked us up with this form guide from uh, bhacks2, underscore bhacks2 on Twitter. It's actually pretty cool. Uh, just checking it out, going through it, but it's got a good breakdown of it all. It's part of their premium product, but in the back end, it basically shows all of the recent results, top 10s, top 25s, last five events, all of the um, results at Valspar if they've played it. And then he picks a few stats that he goes through and sums them up with the pricing and the odds there. Uh, but the main stats for this week I'm looking at are, so a couple, so approach, bogey avoidance, putting that that's where some of the the focus is on fairways gained and then the 175 to 200 range as far as proximity goes is going to be popular here as well so got to add that into the mix on my end what do you got kenny uh, i'll be looking at um i'll be looking at all those stats also plus i'll be looking at 200 yard plus because a lot of those um a lot of the approach shots are coming from longer range as well. I'll also be looking at strokes gained, uh, you know, par four, par five efficiency from 550 to 600 yards and a uh, par three efficiency from uh, 200 plus, because you'll see a lot of the par threes and par fives are going to be from that range. All right. So let's move on and actually get to the meat of everything. Let's look at the golfers this week in this top range. We're going to go from, um, 
we're going to go from uh, Sergio Garcia all the way up to Dustin Johnson. What are you going to look at between these guys this week? Yeah, I'm still debating it right now. Obviously, we do a, an early look here, but it's going to depend a little bit on ownership for me. The The big factor here is that DJ Rom Day, I love DJ. You know, everything always pops with him no matter what, but – I don't know, you know, how motivated he's going to be here or, or what. I mean, on Sunday, it looked like he could have just won the thing had he made some putts. It just comes down to what DJ we get and who shows up and does he care. I mean, obviously, he should care. It, it's playing to win, but I could see easily uh, him faltering here and then moving on to the, the match play where you know he's going to go hard for it. And, and I don't know, right? Anytime he can pop and win, I'm almost debating because I really do like Simpson and Garcia – I'm debating on if I just start a lot of lineups this week. I, what I might end up doing, I'll tell you this, without going, going all over the place, is I might do like 30% DJ and then the rest of my lineups just do with Simpson down and, and get some balance lineups going. But um, I like DJ. I like Simpson. Simpson's been on a little bit of a tear lately. He had a T8 here last year. As far as, you know, T to green approach, greens and regulation, pretty good across the board. Uh, and then Garcia, same thing. He still looked fine. Even last week, he didn't get you know exactly to where we needed. He's a little bit more pricey, which may or may not scare some people off. Um, but I do like Garcia as well at ten one here. What about you? I don't think you know. I don't. I'm not too worried about DJ and the motivation factor. I mean, we 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 saw that we, there was talk about that uh, last year in Canada. Uh, you know, right before the the Open Championship, I, I think it was the Open Championship. They fly everyone over um, afterwards. Uh, again, I'm sort of cloudy right now, guys. I'm pretty sure that's the order of the way it went last year uh, for DJ. And um, you know, he went out and just dominated and crushed everybody in Canada and destroyed everyone. And I'm going to double check right now and make sure uh, uh, it was the Bridgestone that was the next week. Uh, so, you know, he, he played the Open Championship, he, you know, and, and he hadn't played Canada very often. I guess he had played it a couple of years because of the whole Gretzky thing. But there was that sort of talk that, you know, he'd been playing. He played the Open Championship. He flies all the way over to Canada, you know, plays the, 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 the following week. And everyone thinks, oh, he's probably not going to be in it to win it. You got the Bridgestone and the PGA coming up the next two weeks. He's probably going to be more focused on that. And he just goes out there and fucking demolishes people uh, in Canada. So uh, I, I'm not too too worried uh, about that I, i'm gonna play him the guy was too strong t to green uh every week you know a, like you said just a couple of putts fall uh you know he, he's way higher than he is he still had over 100 DraftKings points at the players so i, I you know i i play dj this week i got no issues with that. So, so one second here though you just found a narrative then you're saying last time before he played the wgc bridgestone which is about to go next week to the wgc dell match play he won Yes. Now, there you go. That, that's it. Got to play DJ. <laughs> I mean, I didn't, I, didn't, I, I didn't think of it like that, but I know people were talking about it at the Canadian Open that, you know, how motivated would he be going from that, you know, the going from the, the Open Championship, missing the cut there, and then going to Canada, which is not the biggest tournament there is, and then having Bridgestone PGA in the next two weeks. You would think that, you know, his focus might be on the next two events, 
but he went out there and just demolished people. Uh, so I am not too worried uh, about that motivation factor when it comes to DJ. I'll be playing him. Uh, I really like Webb. Uh, as well. Everything lines up stat-wise for him. It seems like it'd be his type, of course. His putter hasn't been as good as it has been last year, but that only takes one week to change. Uh, I, I officially label Webb a, a pretty good putter now. I don't think he's going to go back to that you know, shittiness that he did before. Um, I, and I'm going to use Fanshare Sports as a deciding factor. What Fanshare Sports does is you know, they, they correlate all the info from pods, from uh, from from Twitter, from write-ups, and, you know, they manage it in one spot, and they have a really good uh, projected ownership. Uh, Logan Harper does that uh, Wednesday morning. And I'm going to use those to judge between who I'm going to play with, Jason Day and Sergio Garcia. I'm leaning Jason Day right now. Sergio's playing his eighth of ninth week this week. He could be a little bit tired. Uh, I'm a little bit worried about that. So, I, you know, but I, I haven't really decided yet. If Sergio's going to be really low owned compared to Jason Day, then maybe I'd do it because Sergio has played well here in the past. All right, we're going to move down to this 9K range. Uh, probably my favorite play on the board uh, is going to be Patrick Reed at $9,500. Uh, in the last three years at this course, Patrick Reed had his uh, third highest uh, strokes gain uh, strokes game putting. Oh, I have this written down. Once again, I apologize, guys. I am totally out of it. But um, he had his third highest um, uh, strokes gain putting in an event ever at this course. He had his highest strokes gained approach event ever at this course. So obvious, and this has all happened in the last three years. Uh, and, you know, this is all time. So his third best ever strokes gained putting event came here. His best ever strokes gained approach event came here. Uh, so obviously he, the, there's something about this course that Patrick Reed must enjoy. He was doing okay last week before he faded in those tougher conditions on Sunday, but I do like him a lot uh, at this price. I think he's value. Uh, I think he easily can be a top 10 type of guy. Uh, so I will definitely be um, on Patrick Reed. Uh, it was actually a toss up between him and Furyk as my cash game cornerstone I'm going through it because I feel like Reed is with my strategy that I use that most of you guys know, I try to not use my cash. Since I only have one cash lineup. It's about 40% of my bankroll each week. Uh, I don't like using them heavily, heavily in GPPs. And I want to use Reed heavily, heavily. So I'm going to go Furyk as my first cash game corner. So I know there's been a little bit of talk early on about, you know, are you really going to roster a $9,200 Jim Furyk? Uh, I mean, the guy's been playing exceptionally well. Uh, you know, he, he's he's on a heater. And again, this is another type of course that would suit him, that he can grind out, that he doesn't have to shoot 20 under par unless Dustin Johnson does something buck wild, which, of course, he could, uh, you know, to win or to contend. Uh, and so after what I saw last week, the confidence he has, and it's not just one week of play. You know, that's the thing about Furyk. I mean, if I was going to give this take and it was just what he did last week, then, you know, that could be definitely be questionable. But we've seen in the last, I'd say, month, month and a half, it, the solid play has been really strong. I mean, he's gained somewhere close to 12 strokes with his approaches, maybe even more in his last four events played um, this year. Uh, 
You know, and he has what a second, a ninth, a thirty seventh, a fourteenth. The form is there. His putting has been solid. His short game has been solid. There will be some need for good sc- scrambling this week as well with these smaller greens, especially if the wind picks up. So I, you know, no matter what anyone else says, I do like uh, Jim Furyk a lot this week. Um, I'll also be playing. Uh, I think I'm going to rebound on Paul Casey. I think last week was a fluke. Uh, we don't see that very often from Paul Casey. Uh, maybe people will be off of him a little bit more. Go to Woodland. Woodland's one guy that I don't really like as much as I normally do. Uh, the game doesn't look like uh, his game hasn't been as strong as it has been, um, you know, here earlier in the season. I mean, based on my ranking and my models, uh, when I'm taking all the stats that I'm looking at uh, into account, in the last 12 rounds, he's 51st overall in this field in my rankings. Uh, so, you know, he's sort of fallen off a little bit, especially, you know, on par threes. Um, he's almost close to dead last in par three efficiency from 200 to 225 and strokes gained par three in this field. His scrambling hasn't been great. He's outside the top 100 in scrambling in his last few events here, in the last few events uh, in this field. He's 116th in three-putt avoidance uh, in this field in the last 12 rounds. I, I, I just don't like the way his game is trending. So I think Woodland will be a fade for me. But my my, my two favorite plays are going to be Reed and Furyk here. Uh, I'll play some Casey. I will play some Stenson as well. Um, Stenson's long iron game is strong, uh, really strong. And even though he's been struggling here, I think you could get him at lower ownership. And because of the strength of his longer irons, I think he could pull it out and have a rebound type week. What do you think about this range? I mean, I really like it. And I think it's going to be very popular. So a couple of things, I'll start with my, my first T3PO. And I think he'll actually still be so let me say this. This is the most popular bounce back range I've ever seen because people still want to play Casey. They still want to play Stenson. They still want to play Glover. You know, all these guys have played well up to this point. All three missed the cut, but I think they'll all still get ownership. That's fine. Uh, I know you said Reed's your favorite play. I don't know if you said of the slate or in this range, but actually my first T3PO is going to be taking Casey over Reed. Uh-huh. And the biggest the, the biggest thing is with Reed is that uh, he's got the the course history you know that you talked about, but if you look back and, and pull his stats in the last seven events he's lost strokes on approach five out of seven, and he's gained massive strokes in in putting in four of those seven. Now he's normally a, a pretty good putter anyway, so I I can understand that. I I just for me. If people want to play Reed here, I'm just as happy to go back to Casey on one off week when before that he was third, 25th, second, and second. And obviously all his stats line up any any day of the week as well. So I think Casey will still be popular. I'm just saying if you are considering Reed there, I like playing Casey, and I'm not scared because of one missed cut, as I think some will still be in that range. Sorry, go ahead. Keep going. Yeah, okay, so yeah, that, that's the first of the week. The second T3PO of the week is actually still in this range. Again, I think it's going to be popular, uh, and and you hit on it. I, I don't know if this is just you and I thinking this or if the rest will do this. From my early projections and from talking to people today, uh, it sounds like everyone hates a $9,200 Furic, but I personally like Furic. Uh, yeah, you know, me too, I, man. I, from what I've heard, been here. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, 
action on the climate crisis and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. Chesterbrook Academy Preschool is here to help your child move forward academically, socially, and emotionally. You'll be amazed at the progress they'll make in our classrooms. They'll be ready for kindergarten and make lots of new friends in the process. So they'll be happy, and in turn, so will you. Contact us today to schedule an open house appointment starting at 10 a.m. on Saturday, July 31st. Visit ChesterbrookAcademy.com to find a preschool near you. That's ChesterbrookAcademy.com. All day, everyone's been talking smack, and I, I get it. It's Jim Furyk. He's 48 years old, but... I mean, the form is there. Everything's lining up. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, well, I just I don't know what they're gonna do around it. Like, I don't think anyone's gonna play Ustazen. That's who I'm. I'm sort of going against here. But that's the only thing that worries me is I think as much shit as people will talk about Furyk, they still will click the button and not click it on anybody else. Like they all seem a little bit overpriced. But I, I just want to make note. I'm gonna put him up against Usti because I still like Stenson below him. But but I think that you should play Furek at ninety two hundred. I'm not afraid of that number. I don't like betting him at thirty three to one or whatever it is. That to me is if I miss it, I miss it. And we'll get to that segment later. But when it comes to playing him on DK, and I want guys to make a cut. If he if I do some of these balanced lineups and he's the second or the third one in, then then I'm okay with it at ninety two hundred. Uh, the other guy I like there, you know, squished in between the two fades for me, Reed and and Ustazen, is Keegan Bradley. You know, shout out to Brad, Keegan Bradley Messersmith, though. This guy is talking about it and everything in his interviews. He said, look, I said, if I just can hit the fairway, then I'm good. And and that's how he's been doing it. And that's how he feels. And his results have shown. So a little pricey for him, 9400 I get it. But again, maybe that turns some guys off. Or maybe they go with the reads. You know, I already said I'll take Casey and Woodland there. But Woodland is the other guy in this range. Uh, I didn't say it actually, but you mentioned him not being as high on him. That was the other guy I was going to talk about that I actually like because I, I like Woodland at these courses where he can, you know, quote unquote, gear down. Right? He's he's him and List are guys that I like better on courses where they can club down a little bit and, and control it a bit more. And this is this will be a big spot for Woodland. This will be make or break. You and I have talked him up quite a bit throughout the season. Talked about liking him in majors. Last week at 7,500 was ridiculous. That was the easy play. And the problem is he was with all the Casey and the Glover and the RCB. But, uh, you know, this week he's up there a little bit more. He went up huge in price. But it's, you know, can can he be that guy that he's been before these last couple weeks? I don't know. His, his approach was off pretty much all week. And we talked about how important that is here. That worries me for sure. Uh, you know, talked about around the green in his last X amount of rounds. It hasn't been as good. But on this weekend, just just passed, he, he had great around the green. That's the only thing that kept him in it. So I don't know if we can trust him, but I like him for GPPs. I don't think people will be using him in cash. You're the guru there. But I don't think people will click him in cash. I think he's a good play for GPPs, though. Yeah, I, I like I sort of like the Keegan call. I think Keegan and Usti will be the two lowest owned guys uh, in this range. I think people will jump back on Glover. Uh, as well. I'm contemplating that. It's a possibility for me. Uh, from what I heard last week, actually it was the uh, the tour junkies that told me this, uh, that they found out later in the week. Uh, they were talking to some guys down there who know Lucas Glover. Uh, and then he said that um, said that uh, Lucas hates the players. He hates Sawgrass. I wish I had known that, you know, before I put in my cash lineup uh, the week, the, the last week, but I, it worked out anyways. But uh, so maybe it was just the course he doesn't like, 
You know, it came you know, out. I mean, it was in the middle of the week. It, it, he's got some bad memories there. If you remember last year, not this year, but the one before with the wife situation. Oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah. You know, so maybe that's I, I, why he hates. I, I wasn't thinking about that. I was just thinking about maybe he just didn't like how the course set up. But that, that could be the, the 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 reason why as well. I'm just not 100 percent sure, but I did. That is what those guys told me down there, and so that's something to mark down. Uh, for next year for the Players' Championship. I actually wrote it down in my notes as well. Uh, but, I mean, I could see jumping back on him. It's possible. I haven't decided yet. But my favorite two plays are going to be uh, Reed and Furyk. Well, and so that's who I'm going to go with this week. Uh, Campbell, why don't you just go ahead and take us into this 8K range? Yeah, I like this range too. Actually, that's where I feel like I'm going to end up on a bunch more balance builds. I wonder if everybody's going to. And if that's the case, then I'll see some of that ownership drop down and maybe have to go to some DJ and Day that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but as, as far as this range is concerned, uh, you know, I'm skipping Bubba. Not not big on Bubba here, uh, you know, especially at 8,900. He's making cuts, but I don't see the, the same upside I've seen from him in the past. Maybe saving it up for Augusta. I'm not sure. Um, Bayo, I really still like him. I just don't know because of this range, the other guy. So, you know, I like Ryan Moore. got a good history here coming around a bit as of late, a 20th, a 33rd and a 28th in his last three out. Uh, he lines up as far as, you know, approach and fairways and that sort of thing. So I, I can see him being a, a play that's not as owned that I still could use. Really like Kokrak, going back to him. He showed up again. Uh, didn't do much over the weekend, but he made the cut, and he's got a little bit of history here with an 8th, a 7th, and a 14th in three of his last five times out. Other than that, uh, a couple more guys. Kisner, Snedeker, both of those guys. Snedeker looked good on the weekend. Uh, 31st here last year. You know, Been showing up a little bit more lately. I do like Kisner a little bit more. Kisner's been consistent. The price is right, eighty five hundred. He's not up at ninety five hundred, where I wouldn't be so happy with all these. You know, he basically comes in twenty fifth average in the last five every time. So he's turning it on a little bit, but I really do like Kisner quite a bit this week. Uh, as far as his stats go, you know, a couple categories, but bogey avoidance, the putter's been better, the fairways, the drives, you know, that sort of thing is popping for me. And just what I watched from him on the weekend, he looked a lot better. Uh, so I'm good with him. The Canadian, Adam Hadwin, still got to like him, former winner. And then uh, the other guy I like here is uh, Brandon Grace so, to round it out. Uh, just from some shorter courses, off the tee, uh, you know, things that I've seen in some of the stats I was looking up on him. He's a guy that, again, seems a little bit too cheap, and he's pretty good in that 175 to 200 range as well. Uh, so I'll round it out with him and cut it off. There's a lot of guys in here I like, though. What about you, Kenny? Uh, I mean, my final three cash game cornerstones are all in this range, and you definitely went yeah. over them. Uh, I do like um, Jason Kokrak at $8,600. He's just been extremely consistent, great iron play, great tee to green. Uh, the, 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 he's been actually been good at avoiding bogeys. He's second in the field in bogey avoidance in the last 50 rounds. He's been really good at par threes, especially long par threes. Uh, I, I like his game. Uh, I think he's had a top 10 here recently, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so I really like Kokrak. Uh, he's going to be my second cash game cornerstone. Uh, Kisner is my third cash game cornerstone play. Uh, I like the way uh, his iron game has looked. He's been playing, you know, everyone knows Kisner is like the putting machine, uh, but his, his irons has been pretty decent here um, Here recently. Always a good putter. Uh, surprisingly, he's been pretty good on the longer par fives. I think he's 10th in the field in uh, 
in a par, in par five efficiency from 550 to uh, 600 yards in the past 12 rounds. And he's 12th in the field in par five efficiency from 550 to 600 yards in the last 50 rounds. So he's consistently good at that. The, the bogey avoidance is there. Uh, three putt avoidance is there. I'm a fan of him. Snedeker, once again, you know, short game putting uh you know he has those skills really good around the green uh coming off a really nice performance last week uh at the players so i'm a fan of those are going to be my four cash game cornerstone picks so it's going to be uh jim furick at 9200 jason kokrak at 8600 kevin kisner at 8500 and brant snedeker at 8400 it's going to leave you around fifteen thousand three hundred dollars to fill out the rest of your lineup so i do like those guys um i sort of like russell knox uh, a little bit his iron game has been really good it's been trending up uh he's actually um been really good at par fives here recently uh i think he's a uh, top 10 in the field sorry guys <clears throat> top 10 in the field in the last uh uh 12 rounds in strokes game par five. Uh, like I said, the iron game's getting stronger. He's really good from the long par four range as well. Uh, I think half of all the par fours are going to be from 450 to 500 yards. He's sixth in the field in the last 50 rounds from that range. I do like Russell Knox a bunch. Yeah. One last thing. I got too excited about it because I love the range so much. That's actually, you just talked through it for me, but my third T3PO was going to be Knox over Schwartz, and I'll recap them in a second. But Schwartz has actually got a good course history. He's made the cut the last three years, including a sixth and a first-place win just three years ago. Uh, and before his missed cut this last uh, tournament, he got 16th and 6th. So I think people will still look at that and see a little bit of the course history factor. And Knox, like you said, has just been on fire right now. Uh, you know, not quite the upside we've been looking for just yet, but it's that putter, right? If that putter comes around for him, he can really turn it on, and I like him in tournaments like this, uh, you know, where it's going to be a little bit lower scoring. Um, so to recap it, I got Furick over Usti, I got Casey over Reed, and I got Knox over Schwartzel. All right, sounds good. And, like, once you get to the bottom of this, like, 8,000 and into the high 7,000 range, these are the guys that you can sort of target on draft. Uh, you know, draft has a snake draft, and the way it usually goes with these guys, uh, when you do the drafts on uh, the snake drafts on draft, is you know all the big wigs they go they go first. It goes it's pretty easy. Like it'll be like Rory, or it'll be DJ, uh, Rom, Day. You know, all those guys will be going pretty high, and you know they have like the the ranking positions uh, where they most like the average draft positions and stuff like that. They have that put down, and, and a lot of these. Guys who draft on draft.com usually follow that ADP just like they do for fantasy football year long. So you can sort of take advantage of that when it comes to draft when you get on there and you can use these guys that, you know, maybe these people won't notice because you're not going to have like the the, the, the great the, – the sharks aren't going to be swimming uh, on draft.com like they are on, uh, you know, other sites that you play on. So that's something to keep an eye on when you go to draft and you, and you get on the site. It's a really cool site. It's different, but it's awesome. All right, so let's move down to the 7K range. I'll go ahead and get us started. I sort of like JT Poston here at $7,900. The kid has been extremely uh, – extremely consistent here in the in the last i think he's made all, I, i'd say about 90 percent of his cuts i i don't remember i think it's like 11 out of 12 10 out of 12 this year he's been really strong at that a really good par five score he goes in here 
you know, good. He has a bunch of opportunities, gains top 25 in that, in this field, just really consistent. He's not that long off the tee. So this is the type of course that I think would suit him. Um, Other guys I do like in this range. I think Zach Johnson, the the game has just not been there, but I think this is the type of course where he could make a little bit of a comeback. And I think he could be overlooked. Uh, Always good with his longer irons. Uh, That's why he's been so good for so long, even though he's been short, you know, a two-time major winner, uh, a guy with his, length it's not that long but as one augusta you know that the long irons are going to be there uh when you look in a little bit more context he has um you know especially these long par threes he's top 10 in strokes game par three and par three efficiency from 225 yards in this field in the last 12 rounds he's really good like i said with his longer irons so i think he could make a little bit of a comeback here uh, another guy i like a lot who missed the cut last week who i think could be overlooked would be chesson hadley at seventy five hundred dollars iron game has been strong really really good probably one of the best uh longer irons when it just comes to stats in the last 12 and the last 50 rounds i think in the last 12 rounds he's ninth in proximity from 200 plus he's sixth in proximity from 175 to 200 and then even if you take that a little bit longer in the last 50 rounds he's third from uh in proximity from 200 plus and he's still you know top 35 in proximity from 175 to 200 yards uh so i i, I sort of like him as a sleeper play uh, that many people might be off of. Um, before I go down anymore, who do you like here up top in the 7K range? Yeah, I like chopping it up because this week's another week where it's busy up here. So uh, Hatton is one right out of the gate, 7,900, much like Grace. It's just the names that they're around, like all the the shiny toys of late. Like you mentioned, Poston, uh, Sungjae Im, Ollie is going to get some talk. All these guys, I don't have any problems with them, but just to see a guy like Hatton in here, you know, I think it was Schwartzel joined one of the fields a couple weeks ago late and ended up coming like top five. It's, it's sort of like when they get a chance, they hop in because they're feeling something or they want to get some more practice in too can be the, the reasoning behind it. But typically they're feeling something and they think they got a shot. And I like Hatton again in this sort of spot where you can just get, get it going, grind it out a little bit and, and then come away with a, you know, if a minus 13 or something wins, I could easily see him there. Uh, you know, birdies are better, DK points, bogey avoidance, drive, good drives, all those things he's popping in. Uh, I, I like Hatton at 7,900. Uh, I just mentioned Sung JM. Uh, he's one of the guys here I like. He's ranked pretty much everywhere across the board in 175 to 200. Approach, bogey avoidance, birdie or better. Overall, basically, he just sums it up. Uh, and then I kind of like Michael Thompson. Uh, I think less people will be on him with with Zach Johnson, Ollie, and those guys there. Uh, he's popping for me as well so far across the board, and I don't see a lot of um, solid reasoning beyond just a you know he's sort of a bit of a darling that people have been on, and now they'll go away from. But before this last his last tournament out and his missed cut, he came sixteenth, seventh, and tenth. Uh, you know, for the price, 7,600 and the stats that he has and the sort of game that he plays, I like him for here. You mentioned Hadley. And then the last one, and then I'll let you close out the bottom, but Joel Dahman, uh, you know, a good showing this weekend, uh, came 12th. He's he's the same sort of thing, you know, sort of much like an M who just across the board with, you know, DK approach, good drive, 175 to 200, par five scoring. He's got it all. Uh, and at 7,400, I don't mind playing him again either to fill out a roster. Yeah, uh, I, I don't mind that either. Um, other guys I do like here down below, I sort of like Nick Taylor. 
Uh, he's been playing really well. He gained like something crazy, like eight strokes with his approaches last week. And the week before, it was all putter. We, you know, we and, and this past week it was with his approaches. Maybe he can get that combined and be really high up there in the leaderboard because he has been pretty consistent. He's had a couple of top twenty fives here recently. Uh, so I do like Nick Taylor. Uh, Ches Reeve, who's been playing horribly. Uh, I, I might be able to get back on board. I don't think anyone's going to own him. I think he was like 2% owned last week. Um, he's always been somewhat stronger with his longer irons, especially from 175 to 200 yards. He's actually second in this field uh, in proximity from that range in the last 50 rounds. Iron game is strong. His main weakness here recently has been off the tee and, you know, with his driver. And that's not really going to be that big of a deal this week since, you know, you know the driver's going to be in the bag for him. Maybe he can bounce back a little bit, be a little bit of a surprise sleeper. I'm not going to go crazy on him because he's going to be so low-owned. But as like a low-owned GPP flyer, uh, I might throw a little bit on Chess because once we get down here, you know, that's when the talent level drops precipitously. Uh, I also do like Sun Kang uh, coming off, you know, good performances here. Uh, he, he's been really good here recently stat-wise. Just looking at him, I think he comes in sixth in my model uh, in the last 12 rounds here. Um, you know, the good putter, the, the, the uh, approach game has just been average, but the putting has been good. He's been good on the long par fours. He's been good on the long par threes. He's been good on the long par fives. That's basically what this course has. So I do like Sun Kang uh, here down here a little bit below. Um, I think I might go back to CT Pan. At 7,000 as well, this seems like another type of course that would fit his game where you don't have to worry too much about the tee, um, who does well, once again, from that longer proximity ranges. Uh, he's been really good from 175 to 200 yards here recently. He's been good from 450 to 500-yard par fours. Uh, good bogey avoidance stats, so I do like him. Uh, any guys here down below that you missed? Uh, you hit him, but I, I want to just talk about one that you didn't. So I like Reavy with you. I like Kang with you. Uh, I also like Ryder. I'll jump back on Sam Ryder. But the one guy I like here is actually Bud Colley. Um, You know, nothing nothing crazy to talk about lately, but a, as far as overall goes at, at 7,200, I mean, I, he's popping as far as birdies are better, DK points, bogey avoidance, um, strokes game par five. The only thing he's not really popping in is this putter, and typically, he's a pretty good putter. Four out of his last six events, he's gained strokes. In his last 20, he's gained strokes putting all of them. So it, it, on this past weekend, if you go look at the weekend what the, or the overall tournament that he just had at the players, uh, he actually did well in everything. He was in solid an approach, just missed with his putter, I should say, but his putter's normally good. So he's a guy for cheap that I'll go to as well uh, in Bud Colley. Other than that, you pretty much hit on all the guys. Like I said, it drops off quite a bit uh, once you get down here. Yep. Uh, why don't you go into this uh, 6K range there, Tambo? Yeah, not uh, not as high on very many of them, to be honest. Uh, I'll go back to my guy, Adam Shank. Uh, I think he's solid at, at 6,900. Approach has been good. Par 5, solid. He's mediocre, but you know, middle of the pack in sort of the bogey avoidance. Good and birdies are better and DK scoring. Uh, Von Taylor, same sort of thing. This is, you know, a Jim Furyk light maybe. I like him. Von Taylor, Von Taylor almost murdered somebody on the course this past week. I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't there, but my friends were. And they say he hit this dude uh, on a tee shot, literally knocked the guy unconscious. The dude was unconscious on the ground for like five minutes before uh, bleeding all over the place before uh, the the medical staff was able to wake him up. They, it was brutal. <laughs> it was It was brutal. People were getting drilled left and right all week. I know the final group – on Sunday, hit at least 
three or four people, Robin Fleetwood. They were just yeah. pegging people off the tee. It was dangerous out there, man. With, with that was crazy. Flu, yeah, with the flu, me giving the flu to everybody in the whole state of Florida, and then and then these guys just drilling people off the tee. It was a pretty dangerous week at TPC Sawgrass. The um the joke was I think it was like honestly through like six holes it was like three spectators hit two birdies so there were, there was more people getting stung by balls than there was balls going in the hole yeah yeah so exactly right exactly it was it was pretty dangerous out there like you said um yeah dr- dropping down a little bit another guy is K H Lee been on a little bit of a tear lately a seventh thirty fifth and twenty fifth he he's fine what what do you think about your boy Brendan Steele you, uh, yeah well. I, I okay, so I met Brendan Steele. And I, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to tell people that like I had the flu, because he played really well in round one, right? Uh, so I met him Wednesday night. Uh, you know, talked to him. Really, really nice guy. Uh, you know, really forthcoming. Was I talked to him for a little bit? Shook my hand. Took a picture. Really nice. Uh, and it was funny because the next guy I took a picture with was actually Rory Sabatini. And he was actually really, really nice. Uh, I actually told him that, like, here's the thing about Roy Sabatini. Like, you know, if he did that stuff with uh, – who, who was the guy he walked out on? Was it Ben Crane? Uh, you know, like, Ben Crane was playing except- – it might have been somebody else, but he was playing exceptionally slow uh, maybe a decade or so ago. And, and Roy just went ahead and finished the hole while Crane was still on the fairway, walked to the next tee box, and teed off. Uh, and so he yeah. caught a lot of flack for that. Uh, and now, But the thing is, if he did that nowadays, he'd probably be applauded, you know, with all the slow play stuff. But uh, anyways, so Steele, you know, I shook his hand. You know, he, he went out there, uh, shot minus four, and then he missed the cut on Friday. So I really didn't want to tell people that I had the flu because everyone saw that picture of me shaking his hand and, and then him coming out and being like, yeah, I felt bad on Friday. I, like I was coming down with something and no one would forgive everyone. No one would forgive me. All the steel owners would, would have just turned on me. And like, I would have been like, you know, it would have been awful, but I, I didn't hear anything about that. So that's when I went ahead and was like, all right, I can't even say to say that I'm dying of the flu down here. Uh, but yeah, I'd probably be back on him again. I mean, Tina green, always good. He wasn't one of my big looks, uh, up here uh, this week, but like guys that I am looking at, I love Shank. Uh, I love Shank, and I love KH Lee uh, down in this range. I think KH Lee is going to be way underpriced. Uh, you know, he's been playing extremely well. Tita Green been really, really good. Uh, he's Korean, so of course I have to roster him. You know who's in the uh, field? Kenny <laughs> is just down a little bit lower. Is Adam Svensson? Oh uh, no! Well, I, he's another one of my favorites. This week, I was actually going to let you. I thought you might like him this week. Uh, I do, I do like him, but I don't want to bet avatars again. That's the problem because it's the same dudes. (laughs) Yeah, I know. They're both popping a little bit in my model, and I'm thinking about, damn, do I want to do this again? But I I honestly (laughs) don't because I like KH Lee so much more. But yeah, I I do think uh, I do think Spenson's in a good spot again here at 6600 as well. I think what what popped for me for Spenson Spenson was his par three play. You know, he's actually first in strokes gained par three in this field uh, in the last 50 rounds. Uh, you know, he's six in par three efficiency for 225 yards, you know, in, in the last 50 rounds. There's five par threes here, guys. 
Uh, it's not your typical, you know, course. There's a lot of par threes. He's good from longer distances as well. Uh, he's actually top 10 in opportunities gained in this field in the last 50. Top 20 in strokes gained approach. Spencer's definitely, definitely viable uh, this week. I do like him a lot. Uh, other guys here uh, that I do, uh, that, I'll, that I'll play, I sort of like Hudson Swafford as a, as a flyer. Uh, another guy with the long iron prowess, Good at longer par fives. Good at par fives in general. Top ten and birdies a better gain in the last fifty rounds. I mean, that's not. It's it's always an important stat. Maybe a little bit muted, um, you know, at this course, but it's always an important stat. So I like Swafford as like a low owned GPP guy. Um, another guy who uh, popped for me, who I did not expect, who I think will be less than one percent owned, uh, is going to be uh, Carlos Ortiz. You know, good at the longer distance par fours, good at the longer distance par threes, uh, you know, uh, overall good at par threes, top 30 in bogey avoidance, top 25 in opportunities gained in the last 12 rounds. He's a guy that I could put a flyer at down here a little bit that no one is going to roster. Um, other than that, I might play a little bit of Scott Langley just because of how good of a putter he is. Uh, Max Homa. Okay, that's another guy. Who popped for yeah. me uh, that I like? Yeah. Go ahead, you, you go ahead and talk about him, and I, I'll I'll go after you. Go ahead. No, you, you probably got more to talk about him. I, my, I was going to wait for you to say all the okay. cool stats, and then right. I was going to say the follow up piece because the all guy's right. a G. But yeah, all go right. ahead. So 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 he's actually first in the field in par four efficiency from four hundred fifty to five hundred yards. First in the field in proximity from two hundred plus. Eighth in three putt avoidance. Uh, he's really good on the longer par threes as well. He has a couple of nice finishes here recently. Good putter. Uh, I think a lot of the things when you come down here, uh, everything is so variant with the guys down here. That's why they're so priced so low. The consistency factor is not there, but a good putter is usually always a good putter, or at least most of the time, you know. The odds are they're going to putt well again, and putting is a big part of this of this course. Uh, and so I like to roster in courses like this, guys that are normally a good putter, and he, he's up there as well. Yeah, I'd just say with Homa, what it came down to was two things. One, recent form, which you talked about. Two was recent tweets. And I don't know if you saw his tweet tonight, but it was hilarious. He said, I met a woman at the airport from my hometown. Pretty crazy considering we're so far from home. I lied when she asked me where I'm from, obviously, because that would have led to more small talk. Crazy nonetheless. (laughs) And then the the best part was the first comment. So what you're saying is she wasn't hot. And it's got like yeah. – it has as many likes as the post almost looks like. So, yeah, yeah. yeah this guy's uh, just got the, you know, the style, the swagger. So I, I do like Homa. That's There's no strokes gain swagger, but I do like him. Uh, Jonas Blixt has just been sort of popping up lately. He's at 6,200, could take a flyer on him. This other guy, Hank Libiota, this guy's been popping lately as well. These, these are sort of the cheap flyers of the week. I wish I played more – Kang Vegas lineups last week because I talked about liking both of those guys and I had some of them. I played, a, I played a bunch of Vegas. Vegas and Furyk saved me from being even worse in GPPs than I was. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I love Vegas last week and he, he played dead. That putt on fucking 17 was ridiculous. Oh, insane. Uh, the, the longest putt ever recorded on the 17th hole in the shot link era. Uh, that's pretty solid for a guy who's usually, you know, 120th, yeah. 125th in for, strokes for this, putting. So. Furthest pin pay, placement and he's literally standing on the edge of the water on the other side. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible. Pretty incredible. Yeah, no, nobody else here for me, man. There's a bunch of darts and flyers you can take, but but nobody else that really stands out for me. Anybody else for you? 
Now they got that young kid, the seventeen-year-old who's about to turn pro, one of the best junior players. Uh, Batia, Batia, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to play him. We've seen some guys like that pop here recently. I, I might take a flyer, but uh, I don't know if I'll be on him like uh, some people are talking about him. I know that he's supposed to be the shit, but we'll we'll, we'll see. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So I, I don't know about him yet. We'll, we'll have to take a peek. Uh, but uh, did we miss anybody? No, I think uh, I'm good with that. All right, man, let's, let's head to the betting segment there, Tampa. Take us away. For sure. Bet, betting segment sponsored by betql.co. Uh, head over to the website, download the app. for You can download it on Android or on the iTunes store. Essentially, look at three main focuses. They got value bets, so algorithms provide you with the top value bets of the day. Uh, March Madness is coming up. I know that's going to be a big factor there, so download the app. Check it out for that reason. Secondly is going to be your line movement. You can see, you know, if you make the bet at minus five for someone to win at home in the in the tournament, and then all of a sudden it's at minus five and a half, you got some good line movement in your favor there. Uh, and then public betting, you can see who the public's betting on based on percentages. So is 75% of the public on Duke or 80% on Duke? You'll be able to find that out uh, on the app. So as far as my bets go this week, I got a few more. I went lighter last week. I was really hoping that Jason Day each way would get there, but he didn't have a good Sunday either. Uh, this mm-hmm. week for me, I've got a few. I've got uh, Kisner at forty-five to one. I've got Snedeker at fifty-five to one, and then I got three each way bets. One is Henley eighty to one. I thought that number was just too big. Uh, Harmon one twenty-five to one. I didn't talk about him earlier, which is funny when you talked about Sabatini walking off because that was what Ricky Fowler did to Harmon when he lost to him in the, in the college finals there, whatever, or in the, I think it was the quarterfinals actually uh, that he ended up going out because he said, fuck this and walked off to the next tee and made Harmon pick up his own pin. And that pissed off Harmon and he went back and won. That's pretty, pretty crazy story from back in the day. So Harmon mm-hmm. one twenty five to one with it each way uh, looked pretty good last week. I think he'll be all right here. Uh, and then Joel Dahman one fifty to one with the each way. I haven't got to any big bombs yet. Uh, there is some guys I like, but I just haven't been able to move the money there yet. I'm going to wait and see. They're not going to go anywhere as far as those odds are concerned. What about you, Kenny? I got two shorter bets and three long shots right now. I'm going Reed 20 to 1. Like I said, he's probably one of my favorite GP plays, GPP plays this week. Uh, I do like, the, I, again, another good putter, good around the greens. That's going to be important, especially if the wind picks up this week. Uh, you know, it seems like he loves this fucking course, like I said earlier in the pod. Uh, he's 20 to 1. Uh, I want to be taking Snedeker. At fifty-five to one, coming off of last week, uh, I think we've seen him. He's had some moments where he's had some hot streaks. Uh, I think uh, last year, I think later in the summer, he had a stretch of a few weeks where he went really, he played really well. And so we've seen him have that 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 streakiness in him. And I think you know the way he's playing, he actually switched um, uh, coaches. He went from Tiger's old coach, the names. Like I said, I've been off. I can't really think very well. The name is super popular, but it's not hitting me right now. But he switched to his old coach, uh, and that happened. And, you know, because of how poorly he'd been swinging it. And then, you know, his swing looked really good the last two weeks with the new coach in there. So that vibe could be a really, really big deal. Uh, for Snedeker, you know, you got to be comfortable out there. And if he's comfortable with his new coach, with his going back to his old coach, uh, that could be a big, big decider in the way he plays his game. So I like Snedeker at 55 to 1. Uh, my long shots, uh, two Koreans, of course. I'm going to take Sung Kang at 100 to 1. And I'm going to go top 10 bet on him as well. The numbers are not there yet. You'd guess it's going to be around 10 to 1, uh, 8 to 1. Uh, I'm going to go KH Lee at 150 to 1. Top 10 bet there as well. 
and I'm going to go Max Homa at 150 to one as well, and a top 10 bet there as well when the numbers come out. All right, uh, one and done. Mine's easy. It's going to be Patrick Reed. Uh, what I'm, I, I'm going to live or die with the villain. You're all week. in on uh, Reed. I, I, I'm in. I'm in on Reed this week. Just, just the, way, the he played well for three rounds. When I followed him on Saturday, he looked pretty good. Uh, you know, but he sort of faltered a little bit on Sunday. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I can give him that. Uh, and, you know, you know he, he always plays the weekend. Now I say this, I probably jinx the fuck out of him. Uh, but you know, he always plays the weekend, so you always have a chance. So uh, you know, I'm going to go read as my one and done this week. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to go with Kisner. Uh, I'm just taking long shots. I I haven't missed a cut yet, and I'm still only at 1.5 million. So I I'm. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting too crazy too quick here by by dipping down, but. I don't really want to blow anybody big here, and I actually do think Kisner looked pretty good to me lately. Like I said, he's been right in the mix, top 25s almost everywhere. If he can just turn it on an extra notch this week, I think he can actually pay off pretty good, and I think there'll be a lot of guys above him that are more popular uh, in that, you know, using DFS, but in that 9 to 10-5 range. That's sort of where I see people using their one and done, so I'm going to drop down a bit to Kisner. All right. That sounds good. Do we miss anything? Nope. All good, man. All right, man. Tell them where they can find you there, buddy. Yeah, gupscorner.com. Uh, still got the promo going right now. It's actually a really good time to join because the there's two offers, $6.99 a month if you just want to try it out, but that actually gets you through well past now um, through Augusta and the Masters. So, I mean, it's the best time to jump in for that. Jump in the Slack chat at least, if nothing else. Uh, and then if you jump if you jump in for 69 bucks for the year or 129 for two years, you're locked in that price forever. And you can get a chance to go to Blue Jack National, which is Tiger's course, with uh, Gut Bucks and then Moose from Fantasy National will be there as well. That's awesome. Uh, make sure you, uh, you know, if you want, you take a peek at fansharesports.com. Use promo code DGEN10. Uh, it's all case sensitive. Uh, you get 10% off the membership there when you use that promo code. It is a very, very useful tool. Uh, make sure you check out BetQL. Make sure you check out Draft. Uh, dot com it is a fun site totally different something that you don't really get to see if you crush your season-long fantasy football league this is definitely something that you should think about with the snake draft aspect it's really really fun it's really cool it's real money um and you know you can always and you can always find me at uh at uh, kendo vt on twitter uh, make sure to leave a like, a review, uh, you know, and a five-star rating. If you're a fan of the pod, it really helps us out. It helps to keep us free. Uh, let's win some money this week. Good luck, everybody. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families. But more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. New hot and iced Sunrise Batch Coffee from Dunkin'. A bright and balanced, full-bodied blend, brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. And even after that, because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. Or rehung. Enjoy a medium, hotter iced sunrise batch coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. 
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.